Jesus, we thank you that you declared all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. No sphere of existence exists outside of your authority, outside of your rule. And Lord, we thank you that in the moments that we have together now, as we declare your word, as we see clearly how you depict our lives from your word, we pray that this simple picture would have authority in our lives, that your word would be living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword in our hearts and in our minds. We thank you, Jesus, as we lift you up. Your life flows through our lives. And oh, what a joy it is to know you in these days and in this time. We give you praise. Come on, let's give Jesus another shout of praise in this place. And you may be seated. Let's thank our musicians this morning for serving us and blessing us in the way that they've done. Are you ready for God's word this morning to encourage you, to strengthen you? Lots of times we go through the week and our week is filled with many different kinds of messages and voices. And it's always wonderful to come to a moment like this in our week where we assemble together as God's people, as God's household, as God's church, to again hear his voice and his word for our lives. And as we give our time and our attention to the scriptures and the reading of them, again, we can reset our understanding, reset our mind into what really matters. And that can be our measure of life. That can be our experience as we reset our expectations around God's word and around the promises of God. You know, Peter said this regarding God's word and his promises. He said, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the precious promises of his word. You and I are not deficient in relation to what we need for life and godliness. We've been given everything that pertains to life. And therefore, we can face every circumstance, every crisis, every difficulty, every surprise that life presents to us with hope and strength and reliance on him. Amen? One of the reasons I believe when we look back in the past, one of the reasons why we can, why we can look back and know that we've come through what we've come through, when life has come hard against us, when we've been presented with challenges, is because we've been planted. We're going to talk over these next weeks about being planted, planted in God's house. You look back over your life, you look back over your past and, and the storms may have come and the hardships may have tried to beset you and obstacles and challenges 
may have tried to take you out, but one of the reasons why you're still here, still serving God, still being faithful is because of this word planted. One of the reasons why you can be confident even in the present in relation to crisis that might try to beset you is found in this word planted. Or even regarding our future, the reason why we can be confident and secure in relation to our future, one of the reasons why we don't have to wake up with fear every day is because we are planted. We're planted. When you look at God's word, what you see, you hear a few whistles. But when you look at God's word, you see many different pictures that, that God gives us in relation to our lives. You see God, the creator, using many aspects of his created world and order to instruct us from. For instance, when God wants us to understand the importance of hard work, diligence, and faithfulness, he tells us in Proverbs 6 to consider the ant. What's, what's happening when, when God is, is saying that to us? He's, it's the creator pointing to the creature. God is taking the smallest of creatures and drawing our attention to it because there's something to learn from the nature of even the most insignificant creature in creation. When you want to learn about diligence and work and effort and faithfulness, God says, consider the ant. He's using a picture to instruct us about life. Or on the other hand, when God wants to instruct us about the dangers of being overworked and anxious, he says, Consider the lilies. Watch how they grow. They don't toil or spin. There's no anxiety or unrest in them. They just grow effortlessly. So there's two extremes, two pictures that God draws our attention to in creation. He says, if you want to learn about work, consider the ant. But if you want to know about the dangers of overwork and anxiety, consider the lilies. The creator uses creation all the time to draw our attention to in order for us to gain wisdom and insight. God is forever using pictures to help us, analogies and symbols and emblems so that we can be fitted for life and wise. Consider the ant. Consider the lilies. In Isaiah 40, God actually used the figure of an eagle in bringing a picture and a description about the life of his people. Those that wait on him, Isaiah said, will rise up with wings as of eagles. What's the message? Well, the message of the eagle is this. He uses adversity for his advantage to soar and go higher. Do you know what? Adversity can become your best friend. Adversity can be your greatest, your greatest advantage when you use it to soar higher in God. The condition is wait on God. 
You'll be like the eagle. Don't be impulsive. Don't be erratic. Just wait. And you'll soar. God was using a picture. The creator was pointing to the creature in order to give the people, his people, wisdom. Wisdom. You can be just like the eagle. You haven't got to be like the ugly chicken. Picking up the dirt. It's seed and it's food from the ground. You can soar like that, that stately bird that soars and rules and has an elevated position and vision. You can be just like that. God uses pictures all the time. David said this in Psalm, Psalm 18, 33. David, imagine David. He said this and God showed him this. He said, God, you're going to make my feet like deer so that I can scale the unscalable, that I can ascend onto the highest points of the mountain. I'm not going to be threatened by what towers over me. I'm not going to be threatened by this huge obstacle in front of me. God, I can see clearly what you're going to do and how you're going to strengthen me. You're going to give me feet like a deer. Habakkuk said it as well. He said, he gives me hind's feet to scale the mountains. Pictures. The Bible is full of them. To encourage you and me in our journey and our passage through life. Now, I'm just setting a little background today. I'm just giving you a little introduction as to where we're going to be going in the next few weeks in just this series of messages to encourage us as God's people. When God wants to describe the human heart, Jesus, what did he do? He gave us pictures. He said, your, 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 your life can be like a house built on sand or built on rock. Your heart can be like soil. And he, he depicts it. He says it can be like good, fertile soil so that when seed, God's word, is sown into it, it brings forth this amazing harvest. But he also said, sadly, our hearts can be full of stones and they can be hard and matted down and they can be full of thorns so that nothing grows in that place. Isn't it great that we can come to God even with those stony issues in our heart, even with that, that matted down soil that seems so unproductive that it can't receive any seed. It's wonderful that we can come to God and we can say, oh Lord, Plow up, plow up the hard areas of my life. Take out every stone. Take out every area that would hinder the seed of your word. God likens his word. Imagine this almighty God likens his word to the most minute seed full of potential, waiting to be received and planted. God uses pictures. The creator uses creation all the time to bring us insight and to encourage us. Now, we're going to read in a moment from Psalm 92. 
And David, in this amazing psalm, is giving us a picture. A picture about our lives, the lives of the righteous. A few weeks ago, I talked about vision. If you want a vision for your life, take a look at Psalm 92. It's a beautiful, full-color picture of your life. It's a picture that's full of promise. It's a picture that's full of purpose. It's It's a picture of progress and power. It's a picture where the life, our lives, are planted in God's house. Let me read it to you. Psalm 92 says this, and this is talking about you and me. It really is. David said this, Psalm 92, verse 12 to verse 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. In old age, you're not going to regress or diminish. In old age, we're going to bear fruit. What a life. What a promise. This isn't open to opinion. This is a declaration about the righteous people of God who are planted in his house. They shall flourish. They shall still bear fruit in old age. And Helen said, amen. Yee-hoo! Come on, Helen. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. It's a psalm with a picture in it. A beautiful picture, an amazing picture. A picture with a promise. A picture that has wonderful progress all over it. A life that's planted in God's house. It's your life. It's my life. The reason why you've been able to come through what you've been through. The reason why you can remain standing amidst the pressures and adversities of life even today. The the reason why you can look into a future that may seem uncertain and feel secure is because you're planted in God's house. And you didn't plant yourself. He planted you. Right in the center of his presence. Not on the perimeter of his house. But right there in the middle where he is 24-7. You're positioned perfectly in him and with him. God is giving us a picture. David is giving us a picture to encourage us in relation to our lives. So why? Does God use the palm tree? Why does he use that picture? Why does the creator point to that palm tree? That plant that he's created. That tree that he's created. Why does he specifically pull that one out? And picture us as a palm tree that's planted in his presence. Well, the reasons are abundant. When we understand the nature and the quality and the characteristics of this tree, we begin to understand aspects of our life, the righteous life that we've been given in him. 
And there are seven things that are unique to this tree that we're going to pick up on. And we're going to see about our lives as they're planted in God's house. Seven things, seven unique things about the palm tree that God wants us to understand about our lives as we're planted in his house. Now, we're just going to maybe go through one today or two. But let me just read to you seven points about the palm tree that make it unique. Point number one, the palm tree will bend but not break in the storm. You ain't going to break in any storm. And there's plenty of scripture, plenty of promise to authenticate that. Point number two, the palm tree can survive and flourish in the desert. You may have been through a dry season. And you wonder why your life hasn't dried up. You wonder why there's still a buoyancy and an energy and a refreshment in the core of your being. It's because you're planted. Point number three. Not only can the palm tree survive and flourish in the desert, the palm tree can withstand abuse and mistreatment. Some of the most abused and mistreated people on earth is the people of God. But I'm telling you, there's a nature inside you that's brand new that doesn't lash out or retaliate or try to get your own back. You can take that mistreatment and abuse. Why? Because your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. It's no longer you that live, but Christ lives in you. Point number four. Not only can the palm tree withstand abuse and mistreatment, the palm tree becomes sweet, not sour, with every stage and season of life. Number five, the palm tree is planted permanently in its place. There's a permanence about your placing in the house of God. Jesus said this regarding the, the, the disciples and the people that had been given him. No one can snatch them out of my hand. When he's holding your life, nothing can take you out of his hand. And you're planted in his house. And that speaks of permanence. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to move. Life's not going to move you or, or take you out of his presence. You're planted. Point number six, the palm tree cannot be consumed. It can't be consumed. It's the most amazing tree because it's, it's, its bark can't be consumed or burned with fire. Amazing. And then finally, number seven, the palm tree is evergreen. It's a perennial. Hallelujah. Do you know what? You, you are fruitful in season and out of season because of the life of Christ within you. You're evergreen. Your leaf never withers because of his life in you. The palm tree will bend 
but not break in the storm. The palm tree can survive and flourish in the desert. The palm tree can withstand abuse and mistreatment. The palm tree becomes sweet and not sour with every stage and season of life. The palm tree is planted permanently in its place. The palm tree cannot be consumed. The palm tree is evergreen. The creator is giving the creature a picture from creation for you to know and for you to understand and see that when you're planted, this is the heritage of the righteous. It really is. This is the heritage of the righteous. Now let's look at this first point. The palm tree will bend but not break in a storm. You know, on the news, I'm sure you've, you've seen it. In Florida, they're having horrific storms and hurricanes. Taking down houses. Breaking up trees. But very often, the palm tree doesn't is unaffected by external forces in and around it in its environment. It bends in the wind. It bends in the storm. It does not break. I was out riding yesterday on a trail and uh, this huge tree just, just maybe a few hours before just came down on the trail. My friends had ridden the trail in the morning and it was clear. And then I get there and I come to this huge tree. I don't know if it was an oak tree, but it must have been 20 to 30 meters high right over the trail. I couldn't get through. I had to climb up over it. Spoke my time. But you know what? This, this huge obstruction, this, this, this tree that seems so high, so strong, had come down in but a moment in the fierce winds that had hit it and struck it. I went to the base of that tree and I looked at the roots. And the roots were maybe, which, which was amazing. The roots were maybe, maybe, maybe three, feet, three feet deep. For such a high tree, 20, 30 meters high, it had shallow roots. And that's the reason why it came down. That's the reason why it fell so quickly. You know, sometimes you can look around and you can see people and on the outside, everything looks well. Everything looks so strong. Everything looks as if it's going up and growing and being elevated. However, in the storm, you find out the true character and the true nature of the life within. Because if our roots don't go down, it doesn't matter how high you go up, in the winds and the storms of life, it's going to be dangerous and harmful for you. Our roots have to go down deep into the place where God has planted us. You know, it's been known that palm trees, some palm trees, their roots go down into the ground. Some 40 feet, 30 feet. That thing's unmovable. It's rooted and it sways back and forth. And it's unbreakable. And there's reasons why. Reasons why it bends and doesn't break. When I was thinking about this aspect. And this characteristic of the nature of the palm tree. In relation to our lives. My mind went to 
the life of the Apostle Paul. Because life continually tried to assail him. Life continually tried to break him as a person, as it does to many of us. Life continually tried to destroy what he was doing for God. And yet what we find is a man that, that yes, was bending under the wind. Yes, was, was sometimes in despair, but never broken. Never broken. Why? Because he was a palm tree planted in God's presence. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9, Paul, talking about the storms and the conflict and the crisis that was besetting him, said this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's a man that was facing severe storms and challenges and trials, bending and swaying in the winds of life, but not broken, not broken. It was Paul that said, what shall we say concerning these things? All of the externals around him were whirring like a hurricane and looking out at life, he said, what shall we say, church, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Even though everything seemed against him, even though everything seemed so crushing and pressing and hard, he said, this is what I'm going to say to all of these things that are difficult, all of these things that, that seem so uncertain and dark. This is what I'm going to say. If God is for me, then who can be against me? I'm going to come on through. He said, in all of these things, in what things? In the hardships, in the persecutions, in the beatings and the whippings and the imprisonment, in all of these things... We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. On another occasion, he said, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. What is that? That's the voice of a man that's planted in the house of God. That's the voice of a man that's like a palm tree amidst the storms and the gales of life that's bending, yes, but is not broken. That's the life of God in you, church. You may look at yourself in the mirror and you may think, well, oh man, doesn't seem as if, if I'm up, it doesn't seem as if I'm up to much. And I'm telling you now, according to your physical frame, it may look as if you're not up to much. The Bible says all flesh is like grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. There's word in you. There's word in you. There's the promise of God in you that's going to take you on through, that's going to bring you on through the night. There really is. Bend, yes. Feel the gales and the, and the storms, yes. But broken, no. Not because we're anything, but because he's everything. He's everything. Again then, Paul, listen to this list. My goodness me. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to verse 33. He says this, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure. In prison, 
more frequently, in death often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night. A night and a day I have been in the deep. At sea, just swimming for his life. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak, and am I not weak, who is made to stumble, and do I not burn with indignation, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor of Aretas, the king, under, under Aretas, the king was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from their hands. Here's a man that had gone to the third heaven and, and, and been before Jesus and seen exceedingly great and, and, and wonderful revelations in relation to what Christ has done for his people. And yet in, in, in this world, he's getting beaten up by storm after storm, even to the point of being let down at night over the city wall in a basket. And it seems as if life and everything about it is against him. But he's not being broken by life, bending, yes, feeling the weight, feeling the stress, feeling the pressure of it, yes. But because his life was planted, he could come on through. Do you remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas preaching the word of God in the city, just doing what Jesus had told them to do, doing no harm to anybody, were thrown in prison after they had been whipped and beaten, just as he had talked about. And there they were in stocks, chained up. And the Bible says at the midnight hour, they just began to sing. I wonder what kind of song it was. I've often wondered. You know, their, their backs bleeding, their lives mishandled by people that did not care for them. You know, we live in a great world today, in the Western world, where there's protection and, you know, where, where we can do what we want to do and, and, we, and we can live for God in the way that we want to live for God. But back in that culture, and even in some countries of our world today, 
There's Christians that are beaten and whipped and even killed for their faith. And these men, I don't know if they were singing in tune. I think they could taste the taste of blood in their mouth when they were giving praise to God. And they could feel the pains in their body. And yet they praised him in that prison. Feeling the storm, yes. Feeling the pressure of it all, yes. But broken, no. And suddenly God came in and delivered them. And the, 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 the first concern that Paul had was to bring the jailer to Christ. And then the jailer took him home to his household. And there again, he gives the word of God with a bleeding body. And God delivers them. And takes them through. Unbroken. Unbroken by life. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. In the next weeks, we are going to be looking just at a few of these different aspects. Descriptions, pictures. That describe us as his people. Today you may have felt the winds of life. The storms of life come into you. And your greatest fear may be that it's going to break you. No, it's not going to break you. Yes, you may bend. Yes, you may feel as if you're pushed to your limits. But you're not going to be broken. You're a child of the king. You're a child of God. The palm tree. The palm tree. Not only can defy every storm and every pressure of the wind. The palm tree can survive and flourish in the desert. You know, when you look around this nation, dry desert, spiritually, and if you were to put it on paper, in one sense, the church shouldn't be able to survive such a dry, arid experience. But the church of Jesus Christ in this nation, and even in our nation, survives and, and thrives even amidst the driest arid conditions of the desert. Why? Because its roots go down. Its roots go down into Christ from whom it draws its source and water and life. Your life is like that. Even amidst all of the dry arid places of life where you seek refreshment and find none the reason why your life can continue and grow is because like a palm tree you survive and you flourish in the desert Jeremiah 17 verse 7 to 8 says this talking about a man who puts his faith and his trust and his hope in God. It says he'll be like this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like 
a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out his roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding its fruit. Jeremiah saw the palm tree planted whose hope was in the Lord. He saw the roots going down into the rich streams of God, drawing them up and bringing its fruit. No fear of the heat, no fear of the externals around it, trying to take it out. You see, the palm tree never bends or breaks in the storm. The palm tree not only never breaks or bends in the storm, the palm tree is, can exist in the arid, hot desert. It flourishes and survives the most driest conditions. Why? Because its roots go down into Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 17, Paul says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted, you see here again is the picture, here again is the apostle now drawing our attention to the spiritual life that we've been given. He's saying, put your roots down, Roots down into Christ, you being rooted and grounded in love will produce fruit, bring forth fruit and life in your life. Oh, there's great blessing, church, in being planted. Being planted. Planted in his house. Planted in his courts. Our lives will flourish. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. A simple introduction, an introduction to encourage your people to draw our mind's eye to the pictures that you've given us in your word so that we might be encouraged and instructed, built up to know that we are in you. Our roots go down into the life soil of your house. I pray for every person here today. That's not just a picture. It's a picture with a promise. It's a picture that has wonderful progression. It's a picture that's permanent. A picture that's certain. Lord, I pray that that would be the delight of our mind and established in our understanding as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today, while eyes are closed, you may be here. And you know, you've, you've never asked Jesus into your life. I want to give you an opportunity right now before we close this service, just a few moments for you to pray a prayer. I'll help you. I'll help you pray this prayer to put your faith in Jesus. 
You see, your life might be like that broken tree that's been uprooted, that's been hit from the left and the right, and that's gone down, and you feel like a a fallen tree, not a planted tree. Oh, Jesus loves you. He wants to take that fallen tree that's been uprooted, and he wants to tenderly take it and reposition it in soil where the roots can go right on down into his life so that it can be planted, your life, in a permanent place called his house, called his presence. Are you here today? Your life may seem uprooted, you're going to place your faith in him and on from this moment today you're going to feel that there's a permanence about your life a security about your position in him that only he can give why because he's going to take you from that fallen place so tenderly and he's going to reposition you on good ground where your life can grow but it only comes it only comes By putting your trust and your faith in Him. In Him. I'm going to pray for you if you want to do that. Pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, quietly in your heart you can say it. Say, Jesus, today I ask you to be my Savior. Be my savior. I understand that my life, just like that tree, has fallen down under the pressures of life, under the power of the storm. Lord, save me. Lift the tree of my life that's been uprooted by circumstance and sin. Place it. In your house, in your soil, in your presence, I put my trust in you. Amen.